the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When Christ walked the earth, he didn't simply heal people. He loved them, counseled them, and he transformed them physically, mentally, and spiritually. The power of Christ to transform lives is the most powerful force in the universe. If there is something profound missing in your life, or if you want to learn more about leading people to Christ, the transformative power of Christ with Pastor John Allworth starts now. Good afternoon. It is a privilege and an honor to be here with you. This is Pastor John Allworth, and uh, you know it's it's just an honor and a, a privilege to to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, the good news, the gospel. And today, the title of the of the sermon today is going to be "Barbarians in the Kingdom." Barbarians in the Kingdom. This is actually scriptural, and we're gonna we're gonna examine the scripture where I took this title from. But what what it means is is that. Jesus invites everyone into his kingdom. He invites us all. So no matter where you are tonight, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what you've done, Jesus invites you into his kingdom. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to transform your heart. And that's what this program is about, is the transformative power of Christ. Because there's no greater power, there's no greater joy in the universe. So let's let's go into prayer. Father God, we come to you today. With humble hearts, Father, and just so much gratitude for everything that you're doing in our lives. You're, you're still in the miracle business, and we see this on a on a daily basis, Father. And we just ask that these words that are spoken here today, that they be your words and not ours, and that they touch minds and hearts, and they lead people to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to have a sermon today, and, and it's going to be, we're going to center it around the greatest sermon that was ever given, and that is the Sermon on the Mount that we find in Matthew chapter 5. And and it is just a remarkable exposition or discourse on how human beings ought to live their lives and how Jesus wants to transform it. As we look at the structure of this, it's just absolutely brilliant. It's, you know, you can take all the philosophers in the world that have written br- brilliant things, add them all together, and they don't, they don't compare with what Jesus said and set out in the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to take a we're going to take an in-depth look at that today in our 25 minutes. So buckle up because we've got a lot of scripture. We've got a lot of things to talk about. So let's look at the setting first of the, the Sermon on the Mount. You know, and this is at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. You know, in chapter 4, Matthew's gospel, in chapter 4, Jesus is tested in the wilderness, and then he begins to preach. And and he says, in chapter 4, verse 17, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then he says, in, in verse 19, he says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. So this is at the beginning of his ministry, and he's going around teaching, and uh, he's got his disciples with him. He's, he's recruited them, and we're going to start, pick up in, in Matthew, chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, 
those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Hallelujah. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Well, it's easy to just kind of skip over that, but that sets up chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. So first of all, Matthew is who wrote this. And Matthew, as we know, was a tax collector. He was a representative of the hated Roman Empire. He was an outcast. People looked at tax collectors as, as the scum of the earth, as traitors. So Matthew has a heart for other people that are like him. So let's look at, look at this crowd. This is the beginning of his ministry. And look who has gathered. We've got Syria. That's, way, that's outside Israel, the land of Israel. So the gospel's already spreading to the north in a very quick time. We've got the people from Galilee, and these are hardcore religious people. We've got people from the Decapolis. That's 10 cities. Those are pagans. So people are hearing about this incredible ministry that this preaching that this this man is doing. Because remember, Jesus is fully human at this point. That this man is doing. Even pagans are coming to hear him and hear this magical presentation that's going on. We've got people from Jerusalem. These are religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. These are the people that are academically trained, that have their noses up in the air. We've got people from Judea. These are the the southern part of Israel, the Herodians, they're loyal to, to King Herod. And, and we got to realize here that the Judeans and the Galileans, they hated each other, but they're all gathered here to hear Jesus. The people from Galilee, they're, they're rough. They're rednecks. They're French fanatics. And, and then you've got these people from Judea and Jerusalem who are academically trained, and, and, you know, but they're all there together. So we've got a split when they return from Babylonia, and, and, and these people have segregated. They're separate. So what we have here in modern-day terms is we've got Antifa, and we've got the Proud Boys, and they're here together in, in, in one setting. That's a little bit exaggerated, but we've got, we've got some, a wide divide, and the, and the apostles, they had to be sitting there, and they, they had to be nervous. They're like, how are we going to keep this crowd controlled? We've got this disparate group of people, but Jesus isn't concerned because you see that Jesus invites us all into his kingdom. He invites everybody, no matter where you're from, no matter what your background is, no matter what you've done, he invites you into his kingdom. And so as we start the the Sermon on the Mount, verse one of chapter five, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up, he's calm. He went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And how does he start? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, we think of blessed, happy, prosperous. You know, we think of, of, you know, how can that be? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. What is Jesus doing here? You see, Jesus came to turn upside down the, the, the order that human beings had established at the time. We've got these Pharisees who think they're all that. They've got their noses stuck up in the air. They think they're great. And we've got these people. And what Jesus is saying is the kingdom is open to everybody. If you'll, if you'll follow the kingdom, even if you're poor in spirit, even if right now you don't have anything on this earth, you can be blessed through the kingdom. And let me show you how as he walks us through this magical, this wonderful, this beautiful this, uh, Sermon on the Mount. Let me show you how. Because you see, Jesus came in John chapter 10, verse 10. We see the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus is reaching to the, into the outcast, into the people that are, that, are, that are down at the low part of stations, that human beings don't rank as successful, down and saying, I've come so that you can live life abundantly. 
I've come that you so, so that you can be blessed. You know, the Apostle Paul understood this because Jesus recruited the Apostle Paul to reach out to the rest of the world, to the Gentiles, to take this gospel of peace and love and forgiveness and grace into the Gentiles so that you and I could be grafted in with the, with the ch- children of Israel. And so the Apostle Paul wrote in Gal- Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith for all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. He wants, Jesus wants all of us to be children of God. He wants us all to have grace and forgiveness and to have our hearts transformed, which only he can do. Paul takes it up another step in Galatians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We are all new creations in Christ. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. There's no barbarians in the kingdom of God. Christ invites us all. What is a barbarian? The dictionary describes it as a person from an alien land, culture, or group believed to be inferior, uncivilized, or violent. Jesus says, we're all children of God. No one is inferior. I've all made you perfectly, and I love you all. My Father loves you all more than you can possibly imagine. You aren't inferior. You are a child of the Most High God. What's a Scythian? The Scythians were the barbarians' barbarian. These were nomadic people from the land of Persia that were the first to master uh, warfare on horses. And these people were ultra-violent. So they were warlike. Men and women both participated in battle. So when Paul says, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, he's saying it's open to everybody. I don't care who you are. You're a biker. You're, you're a prostitute. You're a, a dope addict. You're, you're, I can transform your heart, and that's what I want to do. I can take you places where you will be blessed, no matter where you find yourself in this life, in this world of trial and tribulation. So when we look at the Sermon on the Mount and we look at at how it's organized, we begin to understand how brilliant and profound it is. And and it's just amazing. See, the first part, Matthew verses five through chapter five, verses three through six. Again, these are not the type of people in this world that we associate with blessedness. But Jesus wants to bless them all. And if they'll turn to him and they'll, and they'll rely on him, they can be blessed. Not, and not, of course, for eternity. He wants them saved. For God wants no man to perish. But he wants them to be blessed through, through following Jesus Christ, to have his heart, to transform their hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. He wants them to know they're loved on this earth and they can have an abundant life here. He wants to lift them up by becoming followers of Jesus Christ. So this is, you know, it's a common theme in, in, in Jesus. He wants to flip this world order that these people have. He talks about the Pharisees all throughout the Bible. Matthew chapter 23, he talks about how the Pharisees, and he says, woe to those hypocrites. Woe to those hypocrites. He says, Jesus says in his word, he says, the exalted will be humbled and the humble will be exalted. He says, the last will be first and the first will be last. He, he wants us to call into question people that hold themselves out is righteous. He wants to show us that righteousness is not just by putting your nose up in the air. It's, it's by being humble. 
It's by being a follower of Christ. It's by exercising forgiveness. It's by loving your neighbor as yourself. That's where righteousness comes from. That's where the heart of the believer, that's the transformation that Jesus Christ wants to do in your life right now, no matter who you are, no matter where you find yourself. This is illustrated so well in in Luke chapter 18, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. So let's read from Luke chapter 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up at heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus wants you to have his heart. He wants you to have a kingdom heart. He wants to transform your heart. It's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Instead, Jesus tells these people, these people that he called that were blessed, that, that were poor in spirit, that were downtrodden. He tells them in, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Jesus wants to reach out to everyone and know that he loves you with a love beyond what, what you can possibly imagine. And he tells us in chapter, in chapter 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. And that's what we're called to be brothers and sisters we are called to be the light of the world you know too often right now i see in this in this uncertain climate this world we're living in right now i see people hurling stones at each other i see people hating the other side we've got this great divide in our country between left and right and we don't we're not the light of the world we're not attracting them through love we're never going to change things by calling people names we're only going to change things by being followers of jesus christ you know Donald Trump is not my king. Joe Biden is not my king. Jesus Christ is my king. And he wants to bring us together with his gospel of peace and love. So Jesus lays this out. It's such a beautifully organized sermon. He lays it out in in Matthew chapter 5, verses 20 through 48. He takes us through the deepest roots of human evil. He takes us through everything that we could do wrong. Murder, adultery, divorce, oaths. And then he begins, he goes, he transforms it and he says, you have heard in in verse 38, you have heard that it was says eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. How many of us can do that? We want we want retribution. We want revenge. Revenge is best served cold. It runs throughout our society. We're not going to put up with that. You've dissed me. You know, young kids these days, you know, it's all about respect. Well, respect is being a man, a follower of Christ and turning the other cheek. Jesus says, you have heard it said it was love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. I want to hear at the end, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear about how I got revenge on somebody. The Lord says, vengeance is mine. We are to forgive one another and to love one another. So as he walks us through 
this the beatitudes and and who is respected on in his eyes and 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 how we should the, all the things we should avoid and then he says do not do as even pagans do be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect we need more love in this world that's what we need we need more forgiveness so he walks us through this in the remainder of the sermon chapter 6 and 7 provides a secret a sequence of warnings about human practices and attitudes that will keep us from living the abundant kingdom life that Jesus wants for us and that he promises he can deliver. First, he warns us against focusing on realities other than the kingdom. He, he warns us on focusing on our reputation before humans in chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. You know, folks, we live for an audience of one. We're so hung up on how other people feel about us and what and if we've got respect, like I was just talking about in, in, in verses 19 through 24, chapter six, he talks about not being hung up on material wealth. The way that we rate things and who's successful in this life is not how God looks at it. That is not his barometer of success. You know, that's the mind of the flesh. That's what gets us in trouble is when we just start focusing on, on, oh, this guy, man, he's look at the house he lives in. Look at the car he drives. Look at the job he has. Yeah, well, is he spending time with his kids? Is he is he being a servant? You know, being a Christian is is making a trans uh, making a, a transgression to, from selfishness to servanthood. Because that's who Christ is. We are called to be Christ-like on this earth. And and it's just, you know, addiction is the same way. If you're out there and you're struggling with addiction right now, you need to stop focusing so much on being selfish and on pleasing yourself. Because when you begin to help others and when you begin to serve others as Christ did, when we follow in his steps, when we follow along with the Sermon on the Mount, that's when we begin to experience true joy. That's when we begin to to experience the abundant life that Christ wants for us. Then we move on to to chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then one of my favorite verses in the Bible, because we are all so guilty. You know, the wonderful, wonderful thing about preaching is you get to preach to yourself. So it is so wonderful to read the Word of God and to remind yourself of the heart that God wants for you, the transformation that Christ wants for you. He says in verse 3, Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Don't we all do that? We want to look and judge and, and criticize other people. And Jesus is saying, Hey, take care of yourself first, brother. Look inward. Look at yourself. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, Jesus says. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus takes us through the warnings of, of what we shouldn't do. And then, he, and then he says, and this is so paramount, he says, and Jesus talks about not just talking the talk, not just repeating what he says not just relying on on our own works but he says he says in verses 7 chapter 7 verses 21 through 27 he says not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day lord lord 
Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He's not just hung up on how you act. You know, I I listened to a sermon from from Pastor Mazapika at at New Covenant Church in Humble yesterday, and it was wonderful. He talked about how football players, I thought this was a great analogy, how they go out for the pass, and either the defender, the, the ball will be thrown a little bit too wide, or the defender will force them, and they'll go out of bounds. And then they try to get back in bounds. And so, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all go out of bounds sometimes. But when you have a kingdom heart, you get, you get, you're convicted and you get back in, into bounds. You, 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 it changes when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your personal Lord and Savior, and you really bring him into your heart. It changes you and you get convicted and, and you want to get back in bounds. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 Paul writes, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Well, you say, Pastor John, didn't you just tell me that Jesus wants us all, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been? You got to finish the verse. And this is what's so beautiful about what Paul says. And that is what some of you were all. We've all fallen short of the, of the glory of God. And, but we are forgiven for that when we accept it. We've all done horrible things. You're not, if you're out there and you feel guilt-ridden and, and you know, the devil's telling you, you know, you, you're no good. You did this. You did that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus looked to his left and he forgave the thief. Moses was a murderer. David was a murderer and, and, and engaged in adultery. It's, you've got to repent as he said, the kingdom of heaven is, is, is near. And Paul says, and that is what some of you were all. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's how good and wonderful our God is. He's a God of forgiveness. In Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 2, Paul writes, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. This life is a test. It's a road. We seek spiritual progress, not perfection. Always try to be a better person. Always try to be Christ-like. Always try to do what he likes and build your house on a rock. Like he says in chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, build your house on a rock. So when the rain comes and the streams rose and the winds blow, that you've got a solid foundation. In Romans 12, verse 2, the Bible tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what this program is about, the transformation of our minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's what God wants for you. Because Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. If you're lost out there, Jesus came for you. Mark 2.17 says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus wants you. I don't care if you're a Democrat, a Republican, American, you're Chinese, you're a thief, you're a prostitute, you're a murderer, you've had an abortion, you're an addict. He wants to transform your heart. And if you haven't read the Bible, I really recommend that you start with the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through chapter 7. Again, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus says, we need to be the light of the world. 
it saddens me right now that so many of us are holding stones at our brothers and sisters, that so many of us are, are we're, we're like that group that gathered for the Sermon on the Mount. We're all different. We all come from different perspectives. But how can we win souls for the kingdom unless we follow his moral teaching? We have to remember that our number one mission is the Great Commission. We are to go and make disciples of all the earth. That's what we're to do. And we can't do that if we're hurling insults at each other. The Bible says if you hate your brother, you don't know God, for God is love. We need to love each other. We need to understand differences, that we come from different perspectives and, and relate to each other. We're only going to bring each other together through the love of God. So if you're out there and you're lost, or maybe you've drifted away from Christ, I want you to pray after me. Father God, I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross. Jesus, I know you came and you died to take away my sins. I am a sinner. I have sinned. I want to repent. Repeat that after me. I want to repent. I want to change my life. You have to mean it in your heart. Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to live a different life. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, your name's been written in the book of life in heaven. And if you really meant it and you keep your eyes open, God's going to put people in your life to change your life, to make your life better. You're going to see miracles happen in your life. In the recovery business that I'm in, I see miracles on a daily basis. Jesus Christ is still in the miracle business, and there's a miracle out there waiting for you. Jesus Christ wants to transform your life. He wants you to be blessed no matter where you find yourself tonight. He wants to bless you. He wants you to make you prosperous. He wants to, and he, but more importantly, he wants to spend eternity with you. Listen, we're preaching at New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. We're a church plant. We started right before the COVID hit, and we got knocked out of our building. We'll be back in our building hopefully soon. Of course, we need to pray for everybody out there that's, that's sick right now, whether it's COVID or whether it's heart disease or whatever. But well, you can find us every Sunday night. On our Facebook page, New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. We're, we have a full service every Sunday night, New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. It's on at 6 o'clock. Just go to Facebook and go to New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, and we'll have praise and worship, and we'll have a biblical message, and we'd love to invite you to join us. We've also got a program, Recovery Radio Houston, and that is uh, going to be on this station at... Five, I mean, at 4 o'clock this Saturday, this station at 4 o'clock this Saturday, Recovery Radio Houston. We love you at New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, but more importantly, God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Amen.